That's exactly what Rap Rock and I talked about in the beginning. But you get it through. Yeah, I mean, right now we're being totally safe by burning these plant matters. Yeah, exactly. And inhaling them into our. That's the answer. Lungs. Well, that's why it's a um, CIA. That's why it's a, not CIA, but I mean, yes, yeah, CIA too. Uh, the cigarette lobby. Right. Though all of these stories about you know people dying from vaping and like their lungs exploding. Uh, is obviously just the tobacco industry. That's why all these stories conveniently say that it's only like weed cartridges that are doing it because the cigarette companies are invested now in like jewel and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could totally see it being a real thing and I sure, (laughs) I mean, I, I'm hoping there are some intrepid uh, journalists from high times who are going to go. Yeah. We're going to get into it. I wonder if high times has a take on, uh, I mean, this whole, like, weed being legalized thing is, like, an existential threat for high times. I don't even know if they're around anymore. Right, yeah. Well, Bill Maher is just on every cover. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) That was their real mistake, high times, was, like, getting in bed with Bill Maher. (laughs) I mean, he kind of... Yeah, I like high times, but the stuff about how we need to turn Tehran into a parking lot (laughs) didn't really jive with uh, Willie Nelson. Yeah. Uh, No, but, I mean, I'm afraid of vaping now. I was telling you, I'm going to, like, finish off the cartridges I have, and hopefully my my lungs won't explode. And then, I don't know, I think we need a complete and total shutdown on vape cartridges until we can figure out what the hell, <laughs> what is, the going hell is going on. What the hell is going on. I guess. But then also there's the other thing. I'll close this window. Oh, sure. But then there's the other thing of like, is it worse than smoking? Right? Because smoking is not good for you, right? So it's a comparative thing. Right. But it seems like a specific... Right. If they're talking about this specific... Uh, it's like fat condensing in your lungs... And so it's it's because of some additive to the THC cartridges. So it seems like you could do weed oil and... Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I think it's like people getting sketchy ones that, you know, not to victim blame here, but like possibly they should have known better. I don't know. But then... Like but I don't know, saying, but then it's like, yeah, do I know better? Like, right. can I be so sure about the ones I'm getting? Right, like even stuff that you get from, you know, the weed store in Colorado, yeah, like, where right. are they sourcing it from? Yeah, you know, right, A lot right. of them are taking from the gray market. That's just true. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably these deaths are at the feet of, you know, the CDC and the CIA and everybody for, you know, doing the yeah. drug war. Uh, for, you know, pushing the white man's liquor over ganja. But, like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still worried about it. And, like, the way that this article came out where it's like, yeah, there have been three deaths and there's, a hun- there's you know, a couple hundred people who are sick. Uh, just, you know, I've, I've read and the band played on. Like, that sounds familiar to me. I could totally see it becoming yeah. a health issue. And, like, gay people in the 80s and 90s, you know, vapors are <laughs> a marginalized group who uh you know get shunned from their families and just started you know there was the one vaping congressman he's our harvey milk (laughs) was there really remember this guy no there is the vaping congressman i think that was duncan hunter i actually think he's like in jail now for corruption (laughs) that's so fucking you don't remember this the the vaping congressman he was like vaping on the floor of the of Congress. No, I don't remember this video. Duncan Hunter, the vaping congressman, has gotten indicted. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's the story. Awesome. If you Google the vaping congressman, what for being too fresh? Yeah, <laughs> for excessive yeah, well, chill it's, vibes. It's anti vaping persecution. Yeah, trumped right? up charges. Yeah, it's... free Duncan Abbott. What's his name? <laughs> uh, Duncan Hunter. Duncan Hunter. He's also you know like a Tea Party guy or whatever. Uh, oh, that's so funny. You know, and was he um, vaping weed or was he vaping vaping poison? I think he was vaping tobacco, I'm yeah. sure. He wasn't vaping weed on the Senate floor or the yeah. House floor. 
Um, but he's our Harvey Milk. He's our Oscar Wilde. <laughs> he's persecuted for his lifestyle. Vape, the, the vaping that dare not speak its name. Um, he's our hero. And this is, you know, probably just cigarette companies. Yeah, this is But the, doing like, what? <laughs> like, making up the stories? Or, you know, you think they misdiagnosed the cause of these? Because it seems like yeah. people did die of something. Um, I guess I don't know, you know. No, right. I think they were probably, you know. Who are people who vape? You know, they're millennials... They're um, yeah, it's, people who maybe aren't in the highest levels of society. They're sure. probably people who overwhelmingly were blackpilled about Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I Hemophiliacs, think it's, Haitians. Yeah, it's very possible that, you know, these were people who were doing independent research into Jeffrey Epstein. Undesirable. And were getting too close to the truth. Mm. So they, you know, this is how they got Hugo Chavez. You really are blackpilled. I mean, yeah. it's not an unreasonable thing to read every news story and think, okay, but... How did the CIA do this? Yeah, and yeah. like, you know, particularly... <laughs> Like, bono. <laughs> that's what it says on their patches yeah. right uh i mean yeah or to think like well what did epstein have to do with this apparently yeah, epstein right. was in charge of our entire society oh my god we could get into this too i have i i'm not all caught up but like now bill gates is involved yes. in the jeffrey epstein yeah. stuff because this was this came out out of the yeah. joy ito thing the mit media lab and apparently this is a, which is like a cia cover if yes. ever i've heard one yeah, yeah seriously like what is a media lab yeah. at mit what <laughs> What does that mean? And yeah, this guy, Joy Ito, what's his deal? Like, yeah. He's done a TED Talk, I guess, but he is absolutely, I mean, clearly he's an alleged pedophile, you know, like, I'm, a, <laughs> um, you know, like, the professors came up to him and they were like, look, I hear you're getting money from Jeffrey Epstein, don't do that. Yeah, and, and he like, said, he's actually, you know, very, fa- he's really fascinating, you should meet him, was Ito's response. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what does that mean? This was years after he had gone to jail. Or a fake yeah. jail or whatever. And, like, I, I, I'm i not caught up on this Bill Gates story, but he was, like, he was, like, funneling Jeffrey Epstein donations yep. to the media. Like, yep. why does Bill Gates need to funnel donations from anyone? Yeah. Well, because Epstein obviously came over and said, like, you know, our friends in the CIA want you to give money to this thing. And, uh, yeah, you can do it publicly, but don't yeah. put my name on it. And then a few vapors die, and it all gets pushed <laughs> under the carpet. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely another yeah. uh, pin on our cork board. Uh, yeah, keep pulling at the jewel pod. I haven't eventually. gotten this red string connected yet, but yeah. it's it's going to all become clear, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the I'm really smoke is obscuring the room. I'm not. Time. Oh, and this was, it was a Ronan, fan, a Ronan Farrow joint. Uh, mm. The thing that revealed this New Yorker piece that talked about Jeffrey, uh, uh, what's his name, Joy Ito, because this guy Joy Ito, and this is actually very funny. Can I uh, read a little bit of this? And the New Yorker has also been early on anti vaping propaganda with the Gia Tolentino article. Uh, what did Gia Tolentino write about it? She did, hack. you know. <laughs> do, you really, hack <laughs> do you really think that about Gia Tolentino? I kind of do, yeah. I don't have a take on Gia Tolentino. Yeah, that's uh, my... Um... <laughs> she did an article about, like, the kids are vaping. Yeah. Um, and she was anti... She thought that was, you know, a sign of the times. Yeah, whatever. I think she was... Her thing was, like, well... Like everything. It, you know, like, uh, I don't really remember exactly what her point was, but it was about that, uh, you know, these are kids who statistically would be very unlikely to take up smoking... So, like, we have vaping, which we're kind of selling as this alternative to smoking, uh, and that's helping, like, older people who are quitting smoking and turning to vaping, but Mm -hmm. there's this, like, huge negative externality of kids starting to vape. You know, classic anti-vaping propaganda. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is, um, so this 
Joy Ito guy had been on the hook for a little while for, for taking money from Epstein. This was before the Ronan Farrow article came out. This article is on September 4th. Angela Chen and Karen Howe. Uh, in technology review, because this was a bigger story. I heard about this guy first, and like the MIT connection first, from my friend who, you know, is getting his PhD in robotics or whatever now. And um, uh, big fan of the pod, uh, so shout out. But like, yeah, you were the first one to let me know that, that the, there is this MIT connection, and it is the same for all of these scientists. I mean, this is why, like, yeah. Stephen Pinker, Stephen Hawking. I thought that was so funny when uh, Will Menneker was talking about some scientist douchebag uh, probably being a pedophile, and someone was like, um, here's a picture of Stephen Hawking on Little St. James, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, being served a martini by this 12-year-old yeah, girl. Like, right. does that make him a pedophile? And Will Menneker was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, clearly, yeah clearly. obviously. Allegedly. So, so um, this is uh, in Technology Review. Clearly, uh, allegedly. More of these tech people were talking about this first. This guy, um, uh, so Nicholas Negroponte shocked some people with his comments on funding from the alleged sex trafficker. Uh, this is MIT Media Lab director, and this is the September 4th article. MIT Media Lab director Joichi Ito has faced pressure to resign after revealing that he took research funding from financier and alleged sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. But that's not alleged. He like did get convicted for sex trafficking, right? But today, Nicholas Negroponte, who co-founded the Media Lab in 1985, great year to, uh, you know, found a <laughs> university branch, uh, and was its director for 20 years, said he had recommended that Ito take Epstein's money. If you wind back the clock, he added, I would still say take it. And he repeated more yeah. emphatically, take it. Or else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've all heard that before. Yeah, yeah. Take the gold or take the lead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, today's meeting. So this was, this guy made these comments in public. Today's meeting, attended by a journalist from MIT Technology Review, was meant to be a highly choreographed attempt to ease tensions over the controversy and begin addressing its root causes. The afternoon started off with a collective breathing exercise. And th this guy, Joy Ito, is a perfect example of, and yeah, his name is Joichi, he goes by Joy a lot. Anyway, Joy Ito uh, is a perfect example of this kind of liberal, really thought he was going to get away with it. He was like, oh, like, let's all, yeah, I'm going to acknowledge my uh, microaggression, which was, you know, taking a bunch of money from a pedophile uh, who I knew was a pedophile and using that blood money that I knew was blackmail and pedophile, you know, uh, probably, uh, like um, prostitution money uh, to fund this media lab. Uh, so they do a breathing exercise. The organizers then shared a 90-day action plan before giving Ito the floor to answer questions he had faced since the revelations. One of those questions was whether he had considered resigning. He said he had, but after consulting many people, including civil rights leaders, on how to conduct an effort, yeah, probably Gloria Steinem, <laughs> on how to conduct an effort in restorative justice, he concluded that he should stay at the media lab and help with the healing process. Ito struck an apologetic and pleading tone, blah, blah, blah. I'm part of the problem when I thought I was part of the solution, he said. I'm that guy that I thought I was going after. And his, his Facebook page is full of, you know, him talking about, like, uh, yeah, like white privilege and uh, all these kind of like uh, shibboleths for uh, just meaningless liberalism, like these breathing exercises and this, you know, restorative justice that really just means that he gets to keep his job. Uh, that's the benefit of restorative justice for these people. Yeah, so, it, and it then came the, the Ronan Farrow article. This was September 6th, so just two days after that, uh, how an elite university research center concealed its relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. New documents show that the MIT Media Lab was aware of Epstein's status as a convicted sex offender and that Epstein directed contributions to the lab far exceeding the amounts MIT has publicly admitted. 
right? It wasn't just that uh, he gave them money. It was that he gave them so much secret money. And uh, this is the part. Uh, da, da, da. Epstein appeared to serve as an intermediary uh, between this is perhaps most notably Epstein appeared to serve as an intermediary between the lab and other wealthy donors soliciting millions of dollars in donations from individuals and organizations including the technologist and philanthropist Bill Gates and the investor Leon Black Leon Black is the guy behind um, uh, what's it that uh, uh, hedge fund um, da, da, da. I always yeah Apollo Global Management uh, one of the world's largest private equity firms right and he has not given any comment. Gates, I think, has said something like, I you know, had no knowledge or something like that. Maybe he's given no comment. In one message to Ito, Epstein wrote, Gates would like a write-up on our one science program for Tuesday next week. In an email from Cohen to Ito asking whether Black wished his contributions to remain anonymous, Cohen wrote, Can you ask Jeffrey ask to ask Leon that? He added, we can make it anonymous easily unless Leon would like the credit. If Jeffrey tells you that Leon would like a little love from MIT, we can arrange that too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, and, you know, they're, so, they're on such close personal talking terms. Obviously, Bill Gates had a relationship with Jeffrey Epstein that went yeah. beyond this money thing. I mean, I'm sure he got dropped in by uh, Epstein when he needed to move a couple money in, in monies into, like, uh, some front like this obviously is yeah right of uh, course but um yeah like who knows what's up with bill gates uh if it just went that far or if he was involved in some other epstein businesses uh who knows so this guy ito has resigned that's great what were we talking about uh, vaping or something? yeah <laughs> well i it's all related man <laughs> i'm seeing related. through the yeah through the illusion i think vaping is medicine and they're trying to keep hide that truth from us <laughs> i mean i could totally see it. so i you know either like if you're if you think it's the cia either the stories are made up or they're trumped up or like yeah they faked the research or uh cia has been poisoning our vape cartridges yeah which i could totally see too the tobacco industry yeah right everybody. yeah all of the above all of the above yeah um all right some people are running against donald trump it looks like do you care? Do we care? Uh, I, are we yeah. um, are we Mark Sanford bros now? <laughs> yeah, I went through my Yang phase. Yeah, are now we on Mark the Sanford. Joe Walsh gang? So I am actually very pro Joe Walsh. Um, because he got pranked by Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he is just so internet. I didn't really remember. And this is something... Uh, yeah, he will be the next meme candidate. Yeah, exactly. Like, I... Yeah. Apparently he was a big punching bag on Twitter for a long time, and I never really knew. But, I mean, obviously he's mad at Trump for stealing his game. Like, he he was in the I'm gonna do racist tweets. And he famously tweeted, like, the morning of the election, like, um... Like, two scenarios. Right. Donald Trump wins. Right, or we I'm, get our guns. I'm reaching for my musket. That's right. His musket. That's yeah. so funny. <laughs> um, um, and but now he now things have changed, and he's... Guess why? Guess, guess what the inciting incident was? I heard him on Bill Maher. Guess what the inciting incident was that made him finally turn against Donald Trump? Oh, it was when he, like, didn't get reelected, right? <laughs> what you, when Joe Walsh when Joe didn't get, No, I think he was, like, already a radio host. Is that something. right? Yeah, that's his gig. He's, like, a, right. like, like bread belt, like, a conservative racist uh, 
radio hosts. Yeah. Okay, no. Try to guess. You'll get it. Oh, 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 yeah. what Trump thing did it? Yeah, what that's Trump the, thing? I see, I see. Yeah. It's got to, I mean, it, it can't Cause be you know, Charlottesville because that's Joe It was like, I'm reaching for my musket. And, right. Right, and he doesn't care about Charlottesville. He's racist. Right, like, he's right, He's a right, white right. supremacist. Yes, yeah. Um, so what is it? Um, so what is it? It's got to be like a Putin thing. Ding, 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 ding. The Helsinki right. Summit. Shut the fuck yeah. up. No. When he, was, when he <laughs> and his boyfriend. <laughs> they got gay yeah. married in front of the whole so world. So he's going to run against Donald Trump on a Russia gate platform. <laughs> From the yeah. never Trump right. Yes. Yeah. Which I mean, all the never Trumpers, like David Frum is like, we got invaded by Russia. Interesting. I didn't really yeah. know that that was part of it. Yeah. Reality. Those, all those never Trumpers are like big Russia. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and all the Russia gate, uh, like dipshit libs are the ones who have embraced them. Right. When like the pod save America exactly, guys were yeah. like that story where like, uh, you know, they were doing the New York times was doing like this profile of like, uh, will crystal, William crystal, the, uh, another like never Trump Republican. Yeah. Uh, and another there was person like, whose dad worked for his yeah, name. Right. Yeah. Uh, and there was this anecdote about how, uh, he like ran into, you know, the pod save America boys at like whatever, an airport or a book signing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the John Lovett was like, uh, <laughs> who would have thought we'd ever end up on the same side? <laughs> like any, any leftist could have told you that. <laughs> um, that like, yes, of course you're on the same side. Yeah. An entire intellectual uh, tradition going back But to no, it's because we were invaded by Russia. <laughs> um, uh, and I do know that the never Trump Republicans, are very into like oh uh, yeah he's sending love letters to uh, Kim Jong Un uh, he's blowing kisses yeah. at uh, the North Korean that's dictator. what this all is right it's, you know he's a poor steward of uh, imperialism yeah, yeah exactly and so I guess Mark Sanford's running now I mean it's honestly it is probably a good thing that there are primary challenges for Donald Trump I mean there's that famous thing of if you look at you know the modern era of presidential elections. The only time an incumbent loses is when they have a serious primary challenger. Yeah. Jimmy Carter had Ted Kennedy as a primary challenger. And of course, he didn't win Ted Kennedy, but he like bruised up Jimmy Carter and he made him, you know, defend a, uh, you know, whatever, a uh, assault from his left or whatever, to the extent that that's what Ted Kennedy was doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, George H.W. Bush had um, Pat Buchanan running against him from the right. And, you know, these people never win. But I guess the question is, are these pe- is it that these people smell blood and they are responding to the weakness of the incumbent? Or is it that they are making the incumbent weaker, I guess is the question. Um, because I couldn't imagine any of these people offering a uh, substantial, a meaningful, a materially impactful critique of Donald Trump that might weaken him for a general election. No, I mean, these people are even more scam artists than the people yeah, on then, the Democratic right, side. Yeah, Ted Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. No, or they Pat are... Buchanan. Right, yeah. no, their politics are as fake, uh, their pocketbooks are as much exactly where their heart yeah. is supposed to be. Uh, no, I mean, Joe Walsh is clearly like a radio a tea party. I mean, he was a tea party and guy. And also, Donald Trump will not show up to a debate with these people. I mean, that's my other question is like, yeah. what does that mean he's running against him? Like, okay, is there going to be a primary? I yeah, that's understand. the other thing. Several states have said that they won't have Republican primaries or they won't put another candidate on the ballot against Trump. 
Yeah, so yeah, yeah Trump is never going to deign to debate these yeah, people. These, no, I mean, these people are primary. doing a book tour. Yeah, exactly. It's like three Never Trumpers. Bill Weld is the other one who was uh, Gary Johnson's vice president. Has also candidate. announced he's running. That's the other thing that is really funny because, you know, you have all of these, like, you know, Center for American Progress, like Neera Tandon, like former Clinton uh, campaign aides. Oh, RIP. And their progress. two mentions are basically, yeah, we could talk about that too. Actually. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Uh, their two, their two uh, lines are one, like, first of all, you have a duty to support whatever right-wing Democratic candidate we cheat their way through the primary. You know, it was Clinton in 2016, it'll be Biden this time. And, like, no matter how much we cheat and, like, commit fraud in the course of this primary, you can't vote for a third party. Like, you can't stay home. You have a duty. And, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders press secretary, uh, Brianna Gray, whatever Yeah, Brie Joy, yeah. yeah Brie Joy. <laughs> May have voted for Jill Stein. I don't even think she's, she says who she voted for in yeah. the Yeah, weren't they election. trying to say that, um, oh, no, um, what's her name? It happens to so many of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They all get told that, that they, they voted for that Jill Stein. Got, and therefore, nothing they ever do is legitimate going forward. So it's that, but then also that people like uh, Joe Walsh and Bill Weld are heroes for being never-Trumpers who are going to... Uh, you know, challenge Trump, even though obviously these people are going to end up voting for Trump. And Joe Walsh actually voted for Trump in 2016. Right. So did uh, Mark Sanford, I believe. Yeah. And Bill Weld ran as a third party candidate. Right. Right. So, you know, uh, if like David Sirota or whatever, who's like a Bernie Camp uh, speechwriter who's on Twitter, didn't vote for Hillary Clinton in the general, he is like forever delegitimized. But Bill Weld is like the new hero of the Republic, <laughs> even though he actually ran as a third party candidate. And actually, people who make the case that Jill Stein was a spoiler for Hillary Clinton, uh, what they have to grapple with is that the libertarian candidate, uh, Gary Johnson, got far more votes overall and in any relevant key swing state. Right. Gary Johnson massively outperformed Jill Stein. And I guess if you're assuming Jill Stein took votes from Hillary Clinton, you would have to assume that Gary Johnson took votes from Donald Trump. Right. But, I mean, of course it doesn't work that way. No, not at all. Yeah. And, and uh, these parties aren't owed anybody's votes. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's another thing. And, I, I mean, the most disgusting thing about the Joe Walsh liberal, you know, coddling for me is that I saw his interview where – he said, you know, I'm not a racist, but I've said racist things on Twitter, which I know got passed around as a headline. Heated a lot. gaming moments. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But um, I saw the whole interview. It was on MSNBC. It's a gamer or word, actually. Uh, <laughs> but they asked him, you know, basically civility questions about his tweets. They were like, uh, I forget which ones exactly they mentioned but they were the kind of stuff it you know one of them was like obama's a muslim and he was like well i said that because he was anti-israel and th like they don't you know go into right. that at all because they're not gonna on msnbc now I, I mean there were other questions that were totally just like him trolling people oh it the other one they focused on was the n-word one where he says like you know i can say redneck and uh uh like whatever else but i can't say the n-word on the radio and they yeah. were like, you know, and you can he said call someone cracker. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. He was doing that old bit, but he, he you know, typed out the N-word in his tweet. And they were like, you know, how can we trust you not to be racist, sir? And he was saying, he like, because they focused on that kind of, you know, uh, that's just Republican humor. Obviously, it's horribly racist at its core. But because they asked about, like, the joking tweets, he was able to say, look, I was making a joke. And if we're going to focus on that, you know, we are never going to beat this orange monster in the White House. Yeah. Whereas they should have asked him about the tweet where he said, these Muslims are at war with us. 
Uh, the truth, as practiced by most Muslims, Islam is not a religion. These Muslims are at war with us. Barack Obama, a Muslim, is on their side. Like, he endorsed a Muslim ban in his tweets. I mean, that that's not even the one where he did. Like, there's uh, incredible tweets, uh, especially after terrorist attacks. He'll go on Twitter and fearmonger in that period. I mean, he has said some really horrendous, deadly stuff that, you know, is part of, because he was in the government, was part of the feeling of Islamophobia that led to people dying. And Joe Walsh has so much blood on his hands, even though he was some Tea Party grifter who, you know, was a backbench Republican for, like, one term. He's responsible, and I, I think it's so sick. Like, I wouldn't believe it except that I have family members who are like, you know, uh, yeah, like, I'm glad someone is challenging Trump on the Republican side, that people still believe in, like, principled Republicans being their allies in any way. Yeah. It's stupid. Did it's Bill so Maher good. like him? Was Bill Maher no, like, Bill Maher, thank you. No, Bill Maher was Thank like, you for standing up to the orange devil. He was not like that to his credit. That's good. Um, he has surprised me once or twice like that. Yeah, and he like basically made the point like, well, you you know supported the tax cuts. You support like repealing Obamacare. You yeah. support repealing the, AP, the EPA. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like so why are we supporting you? Or like why is this a worthwhile thing? Right. And the... The implicit thing is like, well, of course I'm not going to win. It's that I'm going to like, you know, weaken Trump enough for the general election. Yeah. That they can just wheel Joe Biden out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, as long as Joe Biden doesn't fall over in a debate. <laughs> We're going to have two, like, this is like Joe Biden uh, faint by 9-11 speed run. Oh, round. yeah. yeah like, oh, yeah. He's going to... Uh, and say what you will about, like, yeah. you know, I, yeah, it was Comey, uh, it was not the Russian memes, but, like, it was that she didn't go to Michigan and all this stuff. Like, there were And then she things. fainted on 9-11, honestly. Exactly. Like, and the fact that she then disappeared for, like, two days. And lied yeah. about it and hid her illness. Yeah. I mean, she was a very sick candidate. Uh, yeah. and, and covered it up and who knows what's going on with Joe Biden. Like, yeah, maybe he's bleeding out of his brain into his eye. Maybe yeah. he's not, but if he were, well, clearly, he wouldn't yes. tell us. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, it would happen on live TV. <laughs> um, I mean, he definitely is bleeding in his eye. Like I'm saying if he had a brain hemorrhage, would we know about it until he keeled over after he's already won the primary, you know, like, uh, until we are in just a terribly dangerous moment where he, you know, his, Skin is the only tender thing standing between us and another term of Trump. I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't put it past them to hide that kind of stuff from us because they did it before. Uh, and I think you lose elections based on that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, uh, I hope he picks Joe Walsh as his running mate. Um, I fucking just <laughs> want them to lose again. There's a story we want to talk about. We want to, uh, this isn't necessarily anything that happened this week. We want to zoom out a little bit mm -hmm. um, and kind of take a larger uh, bird's eye view. It's a check-in. News of, never It's a check-in check of um, the media coverage of a few different Democratic presidential candidates. Yeah. This is like our on the media. Do you listen to on the media ever? No. Do you know, are you more of a Brooke Gladstone or more of a Bob Garfield? God, I have no idea what you're saying right now. That's such a Brooke Gladstone thing. <laughs> That is so on the media. Gladstone and those are the two hosts of On the Media. Is that is that like a cable news show or something? Uh, like? It's an NPR show. It's an NPR show. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. I've sure, for sure. But now we're the on the media. After my morning quiz show yeah. and that started to come on. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, now we're on it. So um, get ready, media. Yeah, get ready. You're media. not going to have it so easy. So we want to talk a little bit about how uh, the media has been covering our boy, Bernie Sanders. Um, the the main answer, I think, is not at all. Right. Uh, it will be hard to come up with examples of this, but overwhelmingly there has been a blackout on Bernie Sanders in mainstream media. He gets very little coverage, certainly very little coverage compared to the level at which he's polling. He's right. consistently the second place candidate. You could say maybe Elizabeth Warren has been polling ahead of him in some national polls, but there are just as many that show him firmly in second place. And then the early states, Iowa and New Hampshire, many polls have shown him leading. So he is clearly one of the front runners, arguably even the front runner or right behind Biden. And relative to that, he's been getting very little media coverage. And we're going to get into all the details of that. But I mean, even going back to before Biden was in the race. I mean, yeah. Bernie Sanders, in every, I mean, literal sense of the word frontrunner, was the frontrunner candidate. And there are so many anecdotal stories. I, I've i had them happen in my life. I've heard people on Twitter recount them. So it's, it's just a thing that people have been noticing. When you're out speaking to people who aren't like us, who aren't, you know, tapped into the discourse. Yeah, who haven't been promised a job at the khaki factory yes. after the election. But uh, who maybe voted for Bernie Sanders mm. in 2016 who, you know, maybe you bring up Bernie Sanders to them and they had not even heard that he's running. Oh, that's so freaky. Yeah, because he gets almost no coverage. Uh, uh, now, it's a long way until the first primary and the primaries roll out. And I think Bernie Sanders has demonstrated that he's a really good operation in those early states. And oh, yeah. the best coverage is, you know, Bernie wins Iowa, Bernie wins New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, which he's going to win both of them. Yeah. Um, it looks like he's going to win Nevada. So yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's not get, uh, let's not get greedy here. But, uh, <laughs> he's really well positioned to win those states. Yeah. Uh, particularly Iowa, which is the very first state. Right, um, and he, sure. and he won New Hampshire in 2016. He's pulling very well there. Um, and you can imagine if he's coming off the momentum of a win in Iowa, he would be very well positioned to win those first two states. And yeah. then who knows from there. And people really forget this, I think, that like... And then he probably gets that vaping disease. That, <laughs> that the CIA gave those brave... <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein truth. He's going to be found uh, like with yeah. six bones in his neck broken and a vape cartridge yeah. in his left hand with For no real. way to light it. Yeah, I mean, and it, like this has become such a cliche at this point to talk about, you know, how the media has forgotten to count to two. Uh, when they're listing polls, it'll be like, yeah, Biden's in first, Warren's in third, Kamala's in fourth, and Bernie's in second, you know? Like, it, somehow the numbers get mixed up. Um, somehow, you know, even the graphics seem yeah. to be... Uh, like, there are examples, and this has happened, where the graphics, you know, are lying, and they're showing yeah, Biden right. the lead when Bernie has one or any other candidate. Uh, yeah, there was one Bernie. where it was, like, showing a poll where, you know, Bernie was at, like, 20%, Elizabeth Warren was at 11%, and then, like, the bar graph showed them, like, equal. Yeah. So, like, the 20% bar and the 11% bar were equal. <laughs> this is an article from um, Common Dreams. Yeah. If you're looking for evidence of WAPO bias against Bernie Sanders, here it is, um, and they're quoting a um, fairness and accuracy in media, FAIR, has been following this issue. So this is all just from Washington Post, but um, I think this is pretty reflective of the bias against Bernie Sanders. So this is a bunch of Bernie Sanders headlines like what Bernie Sanders still doesn't get about arguing with Hillary Clinton. The Daily 202, five reasons Bernie Sanders lost last night's Democratic debate. Bernie Sanders, two big lies about the global economy. Uh, it's just 
one after the other. They also mention something that we're going to go into more detail about, which is the many occasions in which uh, the Post's fact-checking team performed impressive contortions to interpret Sanders' fact-based statements as meriting multiple Pinocchios. We'll get into more detail about that. Yeah. The Post fact-checked Sanders' claim that the world's six wealthiest people are worth half as much, uh, as worth as much as half the global population. It just so happens that one of those six multi-billionaires is Jeff Bezos, who owns the Washington Post, which would make an ethical journalist extra careful not to show favoritism. This is back to common dreams. Instead, after acknowledging that Sanders was, in fact, correct, the paper's Nicole Lewis awarded him three Pinocchios, a rating that indicates, quote, significant factual error and or obvious contradictions. This is because, the paper explained, even though the number comes from a reputable nonpartisan source, Oxfam, which got its data from Credit Suisse, Quote, it's hard to make heads or tails of what wealth actually means with respect to people's daily lives around the globe. Post fact checkers return to defend their owner against the charge that he is extremely wealthy after Sanders pointed out in a Democratic debate, the June Democratic debate, that, quote, three people in this country own more wealth than the bottom half of America. The numbers add up, the post fact squad acknowledged, (laughs) but it's apples to oranges. And then they said, People in the bottom half have essentially no wealth, as debt cancels out whatever assets they might have. So the comparison is not especially meaningful. So Bernie Sanders said that three Americans have more wealth than the bottom half of Americans. Yeah. Which is true. It is just true. (laughs) And the Washington Post rated it a lie or false because... People on the bottom half of America are so poor that they have negative wealth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So somehow that makes that statement not true. That uh, actually they, these, it's, it's like uh, the I think you should leave, uh, the I think you should leave episode. I think Chapo might have said this. Yeah. Uh, the I think you should leave episode where uh, Tim Robinson's like, oh, they were nothing people. <laughs> He's like, his babysitter's like, <gasps> in the car. no, they're nothing people. Yes. The police said, don't worry about it because... You know, they're nothing. These people are nothing. Uh, that's like what the Washington Post was doing. Uh, yes, it's true that three people in this country own more wealth than the bottom half of America, but a, a lot of those people are nothing. Those people are nothing people. Yeah. The Post editorial page makes no secret of its anti-Sanders position, nor do some of its prominent opinion columnists like Dana Milbank and Fareed Zakaria. And then they show these. But even in the occasional straight news reporting that manages to acknowledge Sanders' success, the paper's reporters still slip in digs at the candidate, such as news report about Karen Tumulty charting Sanders' primary victory in Iowa 2016 that told readers that his showing indicated, quote, Republicans are not the only voters looking for qualities beyond experience and electability. And then it says, with eight years as Burlington mayor, 16 years in the House and the Senate tenure that began in 2007, Sanders has more political experience than most presidential candidates, whether in 2016 or 2020, uh-huh. and electability rather obviously ought to be determined by voters, not journalists. And sometimes the digs are clearly deliberate, as right. when a post-political correspondent essentially admitted to trolling the Sanders camp by intentionally choosing a provocative headline. This was the headline that the Washington Post ran with. Bernie Sanders keeps saying his average donation is $27, but his own numbers contradict that. Over a piece that revealed the scandalous deception that the actual number was $27.89. Are you kidding me? (laughs) 
There's an underlying dismissal of Sanders as a serious candidate in both the post-editorializing and its nominally straight reporting that results in pieces like the one saying the large crowd Sanders drew to his 2016 campaign rallies don't matter much, or the ones accusing him of lacking political realism, and there's a clear antipathy at the paper to many of Sanders' signature policy plans like Medicare for All. But I think here's the important thing to say. They're not writing articles that say, I disagree with Bernie Sanders' uh, Medicare for All policy, and here's why. They are saying, Bernie Sanders is lying about the facts. Right. And then when you actually read the article, which almost no one does, yeah. they just read that line, yep. you actually find out, no, he's actually exactly right about the facts, but these people are nothing people. Yeah. That's what, you're there. That's what Bernie Sanders doesn't understand. <laughs> these people are nothing. <laughs> and that is kind of what they mean by fact check. And, yeah. like, you know, this was my favorite part of the story, and I'm jumping ahead a little yeah. bit here. We'll get back on track. But, like, the fact that the Washington Post is proud of this coverage. I mean, they yeah. it came out in the last couple of days, this wasn't something they announced, but people covered it, that the Washington Post actually nominated Glenn Kessler, their fact-check hero, for a Pulitzer Prize, and it was specifically, it's like, I guess, um, uh, the Golden Globes, like you have to send in an episode that you want nominated specifically. Um, they suggested it was his article that marked, like, Trump's eight millionth lie or something like that. It was literally yeah. a, like, lie counter-article that they were nominating him for as representative of the kind of work he does. And he, you know, <laughs> it was, and all of those lies, that whole culture of counting Trump's lies, uh, half of them are stuff like, uh, the American people don't give a shit about Korea, you know? And it, like, <laughs> it'll be like, um, actually, uh, I don't respect the flag. And people are like, actually, you know, Mr. Trump, I think you do respect the flag. Uh, like, uh, there is a photo of you, you know, uh, uh, saying, like, the flag is great and hugging the flag. <laughs> it, it's just not fact-checking. Yeah, it, right. it is all opinion writing. Yes, and, uh, yeah, that's a very good point. And I think that's inherent with fact-checking, right? Right. Because they're not, again, these aren't really about facts. These are about interpretations of facts. Right. I mean, just yeah. like the we're going to mandate fact-checkers for Facebook articles yeah. craze that happened after the Russians hacked right. the memes. There's always a political agenda. Right, yeah. Um, and look, lest you think that this is just the Washington Post, um, and clearly it isn't, there's this article from Jacobin, Meet Sidney Ember, the New York Times senior anti-Bernie correspondent oh, and by we've, Katie Halper. We talked we've about, talked about this before. We talked about uh, Sidney Ember, uh, one of the two fire types who wrote that article yeah. <laughs> uh, about Bernie in Nicaragua, right? Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. And she is on the Bernie Sanders beat for right. the New York Times. That, she, so, is, she is the New York Times reporter that goes around and covers Bernie Sanders. Events. Yeah, I, I have since listened to Katie Halper on podcasts yeah. talk about this, so now I know more about her. But uh, yeah, this is an amazing piece. Yeah. Uh, so I'll read a little bit of yeah, it. Yeah, please. Uh, New York Times reporter Sidney Ember has a problem with Bernie Sanders, which may be why the paper has her cover him. Ember is supposed to write reported articles, uh, not op -eds. Love Katie Halver, by the way. Like, yeah. how much better writing is that than any of the quotes we're going to read from the right. Washington Post? No, today? she's great. Uh, yeah, she's great. Uh, Ember is supposed to write uh, reported articles, not op-eds, but she consistently paints a negative picture of Sanders' temperament, history, policies, and political prospects in the over two dozen pieces she's done on him. This makes sense given the New York Times' documented anti-Sanders bias, which can be found among both editors and reporters alike. The paper was caught making significant changes without acknowledge, acknowledging them to a 2016 article on Sanders hours after it went up. Yep. It changed the headline from Bernie Sanders... Originally the headline was Bubble Tea is Huge yeah. Now. <laughs> <laughs> the original headline was Bernie Sanders scored victories for years via legislative side doors and it was changed to 
Via legislative side doors, Bernie Sanders won modest victories. Jesus Christ. So it changed the order of it, and it added the word modest. Uh, deleted a positive quote from a campaign advisor and added two negative paragraphs. And this happens all the time, not just for Sanders, where an article will go up and it doesn't fit the line, and someone will make a phone call, yeah. and it gets changed. Even after the paper's public editor chastised the Times, they used to have a public editor. They don't have one anymore. Right. For the practice this, yeah. known as stealth editing, the editors defended the changes because they, quote, thought the article should say more about his realistic chances. So, yeah, they're at, I mean, okay, I think that speaks for itself. Right. Uh, in its original form, the article didn't cast enough doubt on Sanders' viability and ability to govern. Exactly, yeah. Ember came to the New York Times with a resume limited to the finance industry. She was an analyst for BlackRock, the biggest global <laughs> investment management corporation, and the largest investor in coal plant developers in the world. Jesus Christ. Her husband, Mike Bechick, is also known in the investment business. He was a senior <laughs> associate consultant in Bain Capital. Senior investment consultant in charge of Jeffrey yeah. Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where his father was CEO. Um, <laughs> Shut up. That's real? That's, yeah. that's so, so her husband, amazing. Uh, yes, is a senior associate at Bain Capital, and her father-in-law is the CEO of Bain Capital, or was <laughs> the CEO of Bain Capital. Which, look, would be fine if it didn't impact her ability to neutrally report on Bernie Sanders. Which it obviously but does. But obviously it, it, or something is. Uh, Ember was hired by the Times in 2014 to cover advertising and marketing for the paper's business vertical, Dealbook. She started covering politics in May 2018 and immediately got the enviable assignment of covering one of the leading contenders for the 2020 Democratic nomination. Boop, boop, boop. Ember has a multi-pronged approach to undermining Sanders. She went to great lengths to avoid calling him the frontrunner until he was, quote, no longer one. So she never called him the frontrunner, but she did, after Biden got in, say that he was no longer the frontrunner. That's amazing. She attributes, That's some real yeah. Orwell shit. I love that. She attributes his, uh, you mean because Orwell uh, got socialist murder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh she attributes his political positions to attention-getting, self-serving ulterior motives, frames even his victories uh, and the popularity of his ideas as weaknesses, yeah. cherry-picks polls, presents opinions as facts, claiming he's outflanked on the left by rising stars like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, and Beto O'Rourke, and creates false equivalencies between Sanders and Donald Trump. And this is one of the great things about an art article like this by Katie Halper, is that if you start talking to liberals about like how the media is obviously biased against Bernie Sanders, they'll just think you're a conspiracy theorist and write you off. And it, it's because no one knows who Sidney Ember is. Like, yeah. no one knows who these individual reporters are or realize that they have this history. And this article is great. This article is very long and uh, very well-sourced and really goes into detail. Everyone should read it. She talks about the thing with Sidney Ember. Or get Ember's, Peter to read it to you. It's yeah, a great experience. Reporting on Nicaragua which we already talked about on this show. Yeah, that was the uh, one where she said, like, yeah, did you um, did you hear them say death to America? And he was like, well, you know, they were being genocided by America. Like, do you get that? And she was like, yeah, but okay, if you had heard... Right. Uh, if you had heard them say death to America, what would you have done? I'm going to skip ahead to this section, lobbyists' sources. Yeah. Then there's the June 12th article, originally headlined, Sanders delivers defense of his democratic socialist philosophy, and later renamed, Bernie Sanders calls his brand of socialism a pathway to beating Trump, where Ember quoted as an authority... Marianne Marsh, whom she described as a Democratic strategist in Boston who worked for Senators John Kerry and Edward M. Kennedy. Marsh did not mince words in her assessment of Sanders' policies, politics, and electability. 
Most Democrats running don't subscribe to Bernie Sanders' democratic socialism and his economic policies, she said. Ultimately, Bernie Sanders giving this speech will appeal to his base and no one else, and it gives fodder to Trump and the Republicans. Let me predict. She works for, like, the lobby that's run by the industry that, like, makes the cans that kerosene come in or something. like. Uh, yeah, she works for the uh, counterfeit vape pen uh, <laughs> industry. But the woman linking Sanders' socialist rhetoric to a Trump victory is not just a Democratic strategist. When reporters at places like Financial Times, CNBC, NPR, Yahoo Business, and Jewish News Services quote her, they cite her as a principal at the Dewey Square Group, a lobbying and public relations firm. Dewey Square's corporate clients have included Allegiance Healthcare Corporation, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Coca-Cola, Collegiate Funding Services, Countrywide Mortgage, DuPont, General Motors Corporation. All big fans of Bernie Grocery Sanders. Manufacturers of America, Mortgage Insurance Companies of America, Purdue Pharma, Starbucks, and United Health Group. Mm. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce hired the firm to fight for caps on damages that can be paid in lawsuits. The National Restaurant Association paid them to fight against a law that made it easier for unions to organize workers and fix the debt to push its austerity astroturf campaign to which which to cut Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. When Dewey Square was caught tricking senior citizens into so goes into like how evil this company that's is. That's amazing. Also, Dewey Square, yeah. that's such sexual like yeah. uh, sub messaging. Jeffrey Epstein came up with that. That's so funny. They were yeah. like talking about <laughs> potential names for this lobbying group, and he yeah. was like, What does this got to do with pussy? <laughs> By, and then she ends this article. By presenting her sources as objective authorities instead of paid lobbyists and austerity ideologues, Ember can, both conceals and advances their agenda, undermining the integrity of the fourth estate, our democracy, and one of the country's most popular politicians. <laughs> so there was one event that happened that we wanted, that made us want to talk about that. this. And this was a recent Washington Post fact check from Glenn Kessler about this statement Bernie Sanders made. Bernie Sanders said that 500,000 people a year go bankrupt uh, because of healthcare expenses. So this is from a Rolling Stone article. The Washington Post's latest fact check of Bernie Sanders is really something by Tim Dickinson. And yeah, this is, you know, this is a me reading articles episode. But, For sure. Uh, and yeah. I think it's worth remembering, too, that like outside of this context, uh, you know, the 500,000 medical bankruptcies a year line that Bernie has been doing, I think is one of his most effective tools for presenting his argument. I feel like that's something that has struck with me that like most of his speech just doesn't anymore. I was like, oh, that feels like a new, you know, thing. Probably David Serrata put it there. That's a new addition to his routine. And I feel like I've seen that quoted by a a bunch more people, uh, like some people I think who are on the fence Warren people. Um, I think that's like a really striking and horrifying thing that half a million people go bankrupt because they're yeah. blackmailed by insurance companies and, and every year. 500,000 people a year go bankrupt because of medical expenses. That means that uh, everybody has been affected by this. That's Either right. you personally have had this happen to you or you have had a family member happen, have this happen to you. Uh, perhaps you have been economically burdened by like having to support someone who's gone bankrupt because of medical expenses. Yeah. That many people, it touches everyone except for the very most privileged uh, in this country. Yeah. Uh, so this is what Bernie Sanders said in a speech. Quote, 500,000 people go bankrupt every year because they cannot pay their outrageous medical bills. He said this on TV and then uh, also he tweeted or his Twitter account posted, 500,000 Americans will go bankrupt this year for medical bills. Mm -hmm. They didn't go to Las Vegas and blow their money at a casino. Their crime was that they got sick. How barbaric is the system that says, I'm going to destroy your family's finances because you had cancer. The Washington Post has a political fact-checking department. The aim is admirable to hold candidates accountable and call them out when they're playing fast and loose with the truth. 
Um, but as the post-recent check of Sanders' medical bankruptcy stat underscores, the paper's pursuit of facts can at times go off the rails. The Post piece gives Sanders three Pinocchios for the claim on medical debt, which is the paper's shorthand for mostly false. Uh, and aside, what is with the multiple Pinocchios? Uh, the Pinocchio didn't self-propagate when he lied. His nose grew. Yeah, that's the other thing. Don't do three Pinocchios. Do like a graphic with a Pinocchio with different size noses. <laughs> that is in the story. That's what happens to Pinocchio when he lies. That would be too obscene yeah. for Jeff Bezos to allow it. That would just be like too much giving away yeah, that... the sexual undertones that the Washington Post is feeding you. We give this uh, rating three owl guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I give that rating um, four and a half inches. So it's it's I guess the scale is four Pinocchios. So three Pinocchios means mostly false. Four Pinocchios is a whopper, according to the post. That's so funny. What so, is one Pinocchio like? Just a white lie, or uh, it's a fib? Yeah, like, let me see. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's, yeah, and uh, this is a problem with fact checking. Yeah, are you looking up the Pinocchio scale now? Pinocchio scale. <laughs> the Richters. Yeah. The, uh... <laughs> The you know, Pinocchio we, exchange rate. <laughs> yeah, the Pinocchio scale was actually invented yeah. by uh, uh, Carl Ludwig Pinocchio yeah, in the, the 1800s. Yeah. Uh, the Pinocchio, yeah, has been like radically devalued by Brexit. <laughs> um, um, I don't know what the scale is. George Soros uh, uh, tanked the Pinocchio to make a fortune. I think probably what it is, and like PolitiFact, if you remember this. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're still around. I just feel like they were more prominent a few years ago. I, I, I mean, this is a problem even in something like Snopes, because Snopes has gotten into the business of doing political fact check. Uh, like, people look yeah. up. And, you know, it used to be like, oh, there's this um, email chain going around that says Obama ate a baby. You know, is that true? And we would all get to have a laugh. We were like, oh, yeah. that's, you know, in the same category as, like, the, you know, uh, the lead in the water is uh, uh, killing people in Flint. Like, another conspiracy, <laughs> you know. Um, but if I had to guess, it would be, like, one Pinocchio is basically true, two Pinocchios is half true, right. three Pinocchios is mostly false, four Pinocchios is, as the political, as PolitiFact would put it, um, pants on fire. And five Pinocchios is... Uh, Thai Pinocchio. <laughs> so sorry. Don't get it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like Thai spicy. Um, oh, God. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, even if you look up on like um, uh, Snopes.com, you know, uh, was Trump uh, wiretapped by Obama? Yeah. It'll say that's false. You know, it'll right. be like, that is a conspiracy theory. Wikipedia even has like Spygate listed as a conspiracy theory. This is just something I got into. Yeah. Um, like, because they, I saw some headline about, like, you know, Trump's, uh, like, habit of lying about Obama, uh, wiretapping him or whatever. And, um, like, the Wikipedia article calls the event, calls the issue Spygate, and it's, like, the false claim that Trump says he was spied on by Obama. And, like, if you look more into it, they're, like, if you read any, you know, part of it will be, like, well, yes, this guy, uh, was an FBI informant. He was not a spy who they assigned to work with the Trump campaign. But, yeah, they did assign a spy right. to, uh, spy on the, tri the Trump campaign. Someone who had a history of spy. There's a great Glenn Greenwald article about, like, this guy was also uh, involved in spying, like, for George Bush's campaign, uh, who, like, invented political spying because he used to be a CIA head. Um, anyway, this is just, like, the point that, you know, uh, all of this fact-checking is just propaganda, and they can twist anything to mean anything. Like, if everyone agrees that something is, uh, you know, one Pinocchio, 
uh, like there's no way to walk back that claim. Like if, if someone said, you know, the Bay of Tonkin, uh, was faked, we give that, you know, four Pinocchios and like all of the sites agree. Yeah. That's just a barrier to truth. The fact checking is not good. Okay. But I want to get into the substance. All right, let's get into it. Yeah. Sanders team told the post that the Vermont Senator was relying on an estimate published in a medical journal that found that 66.5% of bankruptcies filers cited either medical bills or missed work due to illness as a reason they went bankrupt as the reason they went broke. The journal itself said this was equivalent to about 530,000 medical bankrupts annually. At first glance, it appears Bernie understated the problem of round, by rounding down. The checker did an admirable thing and reached out to the author of the study, Dr. David Himmelstein, a professor of public health in the CUNY system and a lecturer at Harvard Medical School. When we asked Himmelstein whether Sanders was coding his study accurately, the fact checker reports, he said yes. Himmelstein went on to unpack for the fact checker that even if you were to adopt a more limited measure of bankruptcies that were very much linked to medical debt, the number of people going broke is still north of 500,000 a year because a single bankruptcy typically affects multiple people in the family unit. Right. So, quote, even if you use that restricted definition, then Sanders' statement is accurate or an underestimate, Himmelstein said. And also, that's not what Bernie Sanders was saying. He was saying when bankrupt because of medical costs or because medical costs are a significant factor. Right. So that's not just, that is even a broader statement uh, of just people who go bankrupt and are burdened by medical costs. Right. Uh, So it's far more people than that. Yeah. Bernie Sanders' claim was very conservative, actually. So why didn't the Post give Bernie a coveted Geppetto checkmark for Stop! Stop! It is really called this. You can't make this shit up. Who knows? Uh, The author spends the rest of the 1,600-word piece splitting hairs and then tying them into knots. He takes it upon himself to not simply fact-check Sanders, but the medical journal that Sanders relied on. And it turns out that if you dig down far enough, you can uncover a minor league academic beef about bankruptcy statistics, with professors arguing about the extent to which one can say the contributing factor of medical debt is actually what caused the bankruptcy. Despite his pageant of pedantry, the fact checker doesn't get to the bottom of anything. He doesn't prove that one side... In By the way, side, that's yeah. how you know this is not a Matt Taibbi joint, yeah. is pageant of pedantry. Yeah, seriously. Uh, we would never uh, see anything like that. He doesn't prove that one side in this ivory tower debate is in fact right, while the other is actually wrong. More important, he doesn't offer any evidence that Sanders was aware of this teapot tempest, or that he in any way set out to deceive voters. Instead, off, the author proudly presents the unholy tangle he himself created to conclude... The omissions and twists are significant enough to merit three Pinocchios for Sanders. So I heard someone else like on Twitter commenting about this, like the idea that on that basis, that there is this kind of very minor quibble among academics about like what the real figures are, which again, Glenn Kessler, the writer of this article did not wade into and did not take sides on. Right. Uh, But he said, I have to give this three Pinocchios because of these omissions and twists. The idea that he would do that for what is clearly a good faith effort to communicate a policy study to voters and in a political speech um, and a very accurate and, uh, yeah, good faith effort to do this. Uh, The fact that he would give it three Pinocchios for that reason is ridiculous and a standard he would clearly never subject another candidate to or his boss to. Right. The process by which the post fact checker transmogrified a basically true statement into a ruling of mostly false is a case study in the uselessness of political fact check as it is often practiced. And I think we've got enough about that. But there's a little more about it because there's this other thing. Also, people were pointing out, maybe this article says it, but I've seen other people pointing out just an earlier Washington Post article that used the same statistic. 
as yes. just a fact that yes. 500,000 people go bankrupt because of medical debt a year. Right. Yeah. So w- what is the post saying? They got that wrong, you know? And no, they, I don't think they're addressing it at no, all. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> why um, would they? Uh, and they stood by this fact check. Uh, and it, this is something that I think the Sanders campaign has not done uh, yet. And I hope they do a little more of it. Like, it's nice to be, you know, not getting yourself in the dirt. But I think, like... He should be addressing the media blackout a lot more and addressing attacks like this that yeah. are, you know, clearly just propaganda. And uh, for once, the campaign said, like, this is just too far, you know, like uh, the, you know, <laughs> the like six people don't have more wealth, strictly speaking, than uh, the you know horde of animals below them. Like, that's not a fair thing to say. Like, that was, you know, one thing. But this is just like outrageous and yeah. so the campaign issued a statement uh demanding an, uh, a retraction yes um i think not even an apology just a retraction yes. this uh, slanderous statement that he was lying about this obviously true fact um, uh, which they did not do they did not do uh, and, and there's been an update here yep. there now appear to be factual problems with the fact check itself yep the post author claimed that himmelstein's journal article had not been peer review reviewed in a letter by Hemmelstein, tweeted out by a senior Sanders advisor, the doctor says that this is not true, writing, your false claim has besmirched my reputation as a scholar. Uh, and then, so this is that Twitter post. Washington Post. The study Bernie cited on 500,000 medical bankruptcies was not peer-reviewed. Study's author. Your Washington Post fact-checker article falsely claimed that my article in the American Journal of Public Health had not undergone peer review. Demands retraction. Yeah. So the Sanders campaign is demanding a retraction. The person who did this study is demanding a retraction and saying that it's besmirching my reputation as a scholar. The Washington Post is refusing to retract it. This researcher could sue them yes. for a libel. And yeah. I actually And I, now they've been informed and they've had it spelled out for them how they're wrong and they're continuing to stand by this. And uh, I have the Washington Post article up and the sentence says the AJPH editorial, this is the editorial where this researcher is explaining, you know, the results of his uh, study, right? The AJPH editorial did not undergo the same peer-reviewed editing process as a research article. Yeah. And what Glenn Kessler said was I, you know, I did not say that it was not peer-reviewed. I said that it did not undergo the same peer-reviewed yeah. editing process as a research article, which is true. It has a, because it's an editorial, it does technically have a different uh, peer-review process yeah. than a research article, uh, but it's still in a scientific journal, right. and it was peer-reviewed. And again, all of this, Glenn Kessler's standard for three Pinocchios is significant omissions and twists. Right. So, <laughs> literally, he should get, like, 15 Pinocchios or 100 Pinocchios. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, this, is, this fact check is actually a great lesson in lying, yeah. right? Like, this is a great way to do propaganda is these total quarter truths and twisting yeah. words uh, until something that is true looks false. Can I, I have one other one I want to point out. Not yeah. as serious as one. Well, maybe as serious. Not as, um, not from as important a uh, source as the Washington Post. And by the way, uh, how many stories has the Washington Post done on, like, Amazon being a huge tax cheat? And, uh, like, what do you think would happen if Glenn Kessler, like, uh, started, like, going hard on, like, Amazon needs to start paying its fair share in taxes? And, like, how much of the fact that you think Bernie Sanders regularly calls out Amazon for not paying any taxes and wants to start making them pay taxes. Yep. If he uh, was elected president, it would have, and was able to enact his agenda, it would have serious, it would materially impact Amazon's bottom line because he would actually make them pay taxes. Right now, Amazon pays 
no taxes, like literally no federal taxes. So I have a feeling it's kind of like that Noam Chomsky thing when he was on ABC and he was saying like, well, of course you're supporting this like corporate line. And the journalist said to him, are you saying that I'm paid to have this opinion? And Noam Chomsky replied, like, you know, a very basic reality. Like, I'm not saying anyone is paying you to have this opinion. What I'm saying is if you had a different opinion, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't be, be getting here, paid. Yeah. And someone else would be here who did have that opinion. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly the role that Glenn Kessler plays. And if there was a Washington Post reporter, no one's telling Glenn Kessler to, you know, lie about Bernie Sanders and to attack him without basis. But if there was a reporter who was more interested in talking about how Amazon doesn't pay any taxes... Uh, and how they go about doing that, they probably wouldn't be there anymore, and there would be another Glenn Kessler, Glenn Kessler there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this yeah. has been a great opportunity. I've seen people, uh, you know, journos. Um, I think it might have been our friend Andrew Perez who posted about this, like uh, going to some job fair when he was, you know, out in college or just out of college or something, starting as a reporter. And, um, you know, they had some booth for a Washington Post editor. I think it was, um, or not editor, or maybe someone just involved. Um, in the hiring process, who took one look at his resume and saw that he had worked for, like, one and a half Democratic candidates, uh, like, volunteered on their campaigns, he turned it away and said, too liberal. And there are just a million stories that people are sharing like this that, uh, you know, newsrooms are so anti-left, and, you know, they make a show of being anti-right. Obviously, they're not. I mean, you know, our media is so reactionary and so filled maggot-like with these data. And I mean, look at all these, like, fawning profiles, including, like, the Washington Post did of, like, you know, Ben Shapiro. Oh, my God. uh, like Milo Yiannopoulos. Where are like their Richard Spencer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, right, like, uh, I don't know the one that Washington posted, but like, uh, remember when the New York Times did like the, the Nazi next door? Yeah. Like Nazis, they're just like us. Yeah, or I mean, yeah. the intellectual dark web for that matter, yeah. right? Uh, and and like, their opinion writers. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, the fact that they don't have any opinion writers who support Bernie Sanders, yeah. uh, but they have like five <laughs> Bernie Sanders, they have five op-ed reporters who are, you know, going to support Bill Weld. How representative yeah. is that of New York Times readers or even the American public? I mean, Bernie Sanders, like Katie Halpern said, is one of the nation's yes. most popular, if not the hands down most popular nationally political figure like people know joe biden more and they have known more about him but consistently people have way more positive associations with bernie sanders than anyone else but so i want to point out this other one that um got a little coverage on twitter because it's um well it's a pretty special article (laughs) it's from haaretz um do you know what ha? Do you read Haaretz? It is Haaretz. Haaretz. Yeah, it's the Earth, uh, like in Hamotzi Lehemin Haaretz. Gesundheit. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know much about it. I mean, I know it's Israeli. I think they do allow some left wing points of view in it um, yeah. because it's an international newspaper, and they also allow um, some people to wild out. <laughs> yes, that is absolutely so, true. This is um, opinion. I rage at Bernie Sanders, the last Jewish Bolshevik. Oh, fucking yes! Yes, but yes, I can't yes. hate him. <laughs> From uh, And then the sub-headline is, Every Jew who lived under Soviet rule has a family member like Bernie Sanders, a living encyclopedia of the most catastrophic decisions made by Jews Holy in the 20th century. Shit, but this deep is inside amazing. me, there is a tiny bit of warmth. He's still family. He's still mishbucha. Um, <laughs> and by he the may, way... He may be yeah. mishbucha, but he's mishbucha. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, there's 
there's an interesting phrase in that headline, um, Jewish Bolshevik. Yeah, that where sounds familiar, that Peter. Uh, what hmm. is there? Uh, where, is, where does that sound familiar? Oh from? God, it can't have been my. Uh, well, let me uncle. Google. Like, I don't uh, think that's something I imbibed. At let the me Google Jewish. Table. Yeah, all the Jewish Bolsheviks we grew up with. <laughs> let me. Um, let me. Oh, is there a Wikipedia article called Jewish Bolshevism? No, there can't. Uh, yeah. So it must be a known term. Yeah, uh, huh. I wonder what that it, means. Huh? Uh, <laughs> Jewish Bolshevism, so this is the Wikipedia article, yeah. Jewish Bolshevism, also Judeo-Bolshevism, is an anti-communist and anti-Semitic canard, which alleges <laughs> that the Jews were the originators of the Russian Revolution in 1917, and that they held primary power among the Bolsheviks who led the revolution. Similarly, the conspiracy theory of Jewish communism alleges that the Jews have dominated the communist movement in the world, and is related to the Zionist-occupied government conspiracy theory, Zog, Zog. which alleges that Jews control world politics. Uh, the worst Ferengi, Zog. I wonder who promoted this. Uh, hmm. Uh, so this is uh, the sub, this is the subsection Nazi Germany. Yes. <laughs> uh, Walter Lacker traces the Jewish Bolshevik conspiracy theory to Nazi ideologue Alfred Rosenberg, for whom Bolshevism was quote the revolt of the Jewish, Slavic, and Mongolian races against the German Aryan element in Russia. <laughs> Germans, according to Rosenberg, were made responsible for Russia's historic achievements and had been sidelined by the Bolsheviks. Peter who did not rep represent the interests of the Russian people. Peter, this is yeah. fucked up. I'm I'm reading this Wikipedia article now. Uh, yeah. There's a picture of. Uh, you know Trotsky with like a, you know a huge distended yeah. nose. Uh, there's one of us on here. Yeah, we're, there's the. We're, <laughs> we're in the uh, Judeo Bolshevism article. Yeah. So Jewish Bolshevism is an anti-Semitic slur. Yes. <laughs> that Haaretz printed. Yeah, that uh, some capo uh, yeah. writing in Haaretz yeah. wrote. Uh, let's uh, that see. Bernie Sanders is, and it, like that's where the myth is going to come back is like the uh, anti-Semitic canards against Bernie yeah. Sanders. Uh, for anyone who spent at least some time, some part of their sentient years in the former Soviet Union, listening to Bernie Sanders delivering his sermons brings a sense of unsettling déjà vu. The style of rhetoric, the cadence of his speech. Wait, is this person from the Soviet Union? Like, is it one of those fake Jews? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> for every Jewish family in the old Soviet Empire, had one member we can call Boris. He, though it could easily be her, was a dedicated and forever faithful party member. Nothing could change his belief uh, in the true path of the party and the holiness of its leaders. Boris was a man of faith and as such could not be swayed by pitiful reality. So uh, <laughs> he was yeah. so naive, but so handsome, wanted to teach my daughters Hebrew so they could read from the Torah. Yeah. They abandoned their religious studies in the yeshivot of the Pale of Settlement and other institutions of higher education. education. Yeah, they turned their back yeah. on uh, They Jewish replaced culture. one unbreakable faith with another and left behind forever all vestiges of their past, their religion, their family ties, their heritage. They're not real Jews. They changed their name. Beryl became Boris. Stop. Boris became Bernie. Uh, He's talking about assimilationism. <laughs> yeah. Um... But as with today's Bernie, Uncle Boris of yesteryear had no familiarity with the world he was about to flip upside down. <laughs> Boris knew about the Russian peasant and his hardships from Tolstoy and Nekrasov. Bernie knows about the, quote, inequalities, it has the scare quotes, of today's America from the New York Times and the mass rallies of spoiled well-to-dos he holds across the country. Yeah, that's who's filling up the rallies in, in Iowa and New Hampshire, <laughs> are spoiled well-to-dos. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is what Haaretz is for. This is like that real shit is, yeah. you know, letting in 
uh, <laughs> letting uh, someone who got into Israel uh, because, you know, he was an anti-Soviet organizer and uh, needed a place to chill for a little also, while. Also, it is a fun thing. All of these people who are attacking Bernie just end up making him sound rad as shit. Seriously. And, like, actually far cooler than he is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like this passage. Indeed, Bernie is the last <laughs> living link that connects the 21st century Jewish present with the events of the early 20th. Oh my god, don't he, make me want to be Jewish. He is Trotsky, riding his military train through the Russian steppes, only to be suddenly transported through time and space into present-day America. Like, we wish he was Trotsky. <laughs> Seriously. Like, like, we wish. Yes. Uh, the train's gear may be lost, <laughs> but the message and the fervent pitch of the Red Army commander is still intact. Yeah, uh, make, uh, yeah, make Bernie sound cooler. Like, he is... <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Uh, like, I would love to be waiting yeah, in red lines the in red five years. Are you shitting me? Yeah. yeah, I would love to be, like, hunting rightists in the Appalachians yeah. right now. Um, and then also, like, when I hear Bernie speak, I start shouting at the TV screen. Uh, although I'm watching Bernie, in reality, I am screaming at Uncle Boris. That's the other thing uh, that I think is worth pointing out. Um, a lot of people, especially, like, this guy and, uh, like, you know whoever michelle goldberg or someone or like a lot of these people who are just like i can't stand bernie sanders he like he yells too much he interrupts people <laughs> um th like actually what they are talking about they are they are commenting on their relationship with like the older jewish man in their life absolutely like they have there is an older jewish man that they have a problem with and they are uh, projecting that onto Bernie. It's like confront yeah. Hayam Saban yeah, already like, about like the digs he makes about yeah, your weight. Like, talk to your dad. <laughs> like don't take this out on people who don't have health care. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean they're just uh, they're obviously just paid good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I think it's worth pointing out that the Sanders campaign has come up with a pretty good way of of. Uh, combating this i feel like you they so. talk about it they call it out which i think is the only thing they can do i mean and they also, do more of it now than they did in 2016 but i don't know if they do enough of it uh perhaps but um also i ultimately think uh they found other ways to reach people like going on you know joe rogan or yeah. like, talking to cardi b killer yeah. mike like like, they're going through alternative uh, outlets to reach people. And, like, the Washington Post and, you know, the failing New York Times don't really reach that many people anyway. Yeah, that's true. And it's people who probably aren't going to vote for Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And also it's probably people who voted last time. Yeah. Like, not the people who are going to elect Bernie. Um, and also, like, people whose votes don't matter because they live in New York and they live in Virginia. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, cool. Like, right. your votes don't count. Yeah. And, I mean, ours don't either. But, yeah, uh, I mean, for sure. Yeah. Is Jill, run Jill Stein running this time? I hope so. Yeah, I, I want to vote for her. Yeah. <laughs> I want another shot. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's a good point that we should go out on is contrasting this to the kind of fawning coverage that Elizabeth Warren gets. And I was trying to find an article that was a similar overview of the fawning coverage. It's just far harder to find. But I think we all know what's going on. You see basically no critical stories about Elizabeth Warren. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. you see the equivalency of Warren to Sanders. Yeah. Far more often, I feel like it'll be like, hmm, Joe, you know, the, the new party line will be, yeah, people don't like Joe Biden anymore. People actually like Warren and yeah. Sanders a whole lot. And the same people who say that, you know, um, Bernie Sanders has no experience governing and is unelectable uh, talk about, like, Elizabeth Warren has a plan for that yeah. and all of that stuff. 
so it is interesting because we're told on the one hand that Elizabeth Warren is actually like more authentically leftist than Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Uh, or she's, you know, more serious than Bernie Sanders. Yeah, at Sanders. least more pragmatic yeah. and left. But also these same people that hate Bernie Sanders and seem to hate any kind of critique of capital also seem to love Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Hillary Clinton seems to love her too. Yeah, right. Uh, you want to get into that a yeah, little bit? Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about that for a sec. Um, I might have closed that article here. Let me get, uh, here it is. Um, uh, this is from NBC. Bang, bang, bang. Warren and Clinton uh, talk behind the scenes as 2020 race intensifies. Uh, analysis. Neither camp wants to talk about it, but the two women have recently gl- grown closer. This is by Jonathan Allen, obviously a toxic man. Um, Washington. Elizabeth Warren's team doesn't want to talk about Hillary Clinton, but that doesn't mean the 2020 presidential candidate isn't talking with her party's 2016 nominee. The two women have kept a a line of communication open uh, just through Snapchat videos of, you know, poorly planned beer ads uh, since the Massachusetts senator decided to run for president, though only a conversation around the time Warren's launch has been previously reported. According to several people familiar with their discussions who spoke to NBC on the condition of anonymity because of the political sensitivity of private interactions it's hard to know exactly how many times they've reached out to each other or precisely what they've discussed in part because neither camp wants to reveal much of anything about their interaction and in part because they have each other's phone numbers and uh there are many ways for two high-powered politicians to communicate that don't involve their staffs one source was uh, yeah they could be telling each other not to leave uh um uh oh my god what's his name anthony weiner anthony weiner yeah One source was aware of just one additional call between Warren and Clinton since then, but a person who is close to Clinton said the contact has been substantial enough to merit attention. Describe Anytime I see merit now, I'm just going to see three Pinocchios. Merit attention describing a conversation between the two is seemingly recent because it was front of her mu- front of mind for her. So this is something that Clinton seems to be pretty excited about, too. Yeah. That she has this new relationship with Elizabeth Warren. And also it's just like, um, you know, Kamala Harris... Uh, like hired Hillary Clinton's whole comms team yes. and uh, now she's like <laughs> you know like <laughs> laughing when like people call uh, Donald Trump the R word uh, <laughs> you know doing her like just chilling in Cedar Rapids moment yeah just doing uh, her five yeah. her solid and five like, on that uh, crashing uh, in the polls yes. like and like Ian Sands is just like <laughs> tweeting about her uh, her, I think this is actually her probably, merch is the best merch and yeah. now that none of these people are winning I'm just gonna buy it all I think this is probably the biggest sign that Elizabeth Warren is not going to go the distance. The fact that she's like about to start taking advice from Hillary Clinton. That's that's a great hope giving yeah. take for me. I uh, I am just still so pessimistic that I feel like these horrible candidates could just sweep in. I feel like it could be totally independent, and maybe you know there was something there that wasn't there for Kamala Harris, and so obviously the bad campaign showed itself. Uh, but like it won't matter that's definitely true but i feel like it won't matter for warren like you know she isn't dead from the native american thing uh even though that probably (laughs) alone would keep her yeah right could you imagine if like bernie sanders said he was a native american i mean i I mean talk about how bernie is represented in the media his eye exploded exactly the kind of old stuff that has happened to biden like if bernie had had one i mean I mean, even close to thing like that, it would be all we hear about. You were the one who showed me the video of, um, and maybe we can um, go out on this, the uh, Old Town Road <laughs> parody that yeah, our friend Fallon. Fallon did. 
Um, and you got to give it to Fallon. Like, he always does the impressions. And uh, I mean, look, he's a pro. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, I don't see Stephen Colbert putting on the Bernie wig. That's right. That's and, right. Yeah. Where's his Bernie? He had a, a George Bush, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does a Bernie, but he doesn't He doesn't commit like Fallon. No, I mean, uh, that's because, like, he would just start saying things about the Sanhedrin. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if he riffs too much on his image yeah. of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Does Colbert ever do that? Like, obviously, he talks about being a Christian all the time. Does he ever, like, talk about it with Jews? <laughs> like, Yeah, the, I'm not sure. Like, his Catholic faith with, like, uh... <laughs> Child sex yeah, news drivers. Stewart or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, too polite. Too yeah. polite. Well, that's it. Look, and uh, I think it's, it is ultimately a good thing that these um, outlets are losing their minds over Bernie Sanders. I think uh, it will not be a huge problem for his candidacy ultimately. Yeah. And I think if I think there's I think most people, uh, first of all, don't read this shit and also understand um, you know, the failing New York Times, the lying Washington Post. Like I think I think everyone kinda get kind of gets it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah. if they don't get it now, they will soon. There was just some article about the Washington, uh, about um, Amazon taking over D.C. And part of that is owning the Washington Post. Yeah, right. I mean, I think eventually this will all be horribly embarrassing, if not dangerous, for a lot of these hacks who have done this legwork of discrediting the Sanders yeah. um, campaign. Because I am fully expecting to be in Bernie Sanders' Deb's brigade yeah. hunting Glenn Kessler to the ends of the earth. Whereas I will be raking in my 200 grand a year, getting my fourth PhD in uh, medieval poetry, <laughs> and living fat off that uh, government vape pen. If I get this up before Tuesday, go see Peter at Phantom oh, sure. Pilots. sure, yeah, go see me do improv. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and um, we're going to have a show in September. Do you want to do plugs on this show? For yeah, the... let's, let's plug it. Yeah. We, um, if you're in Chicago, we're doing a sketch show uh, September 28th at the Crowd Theater uh, with a friend of the show, Peter Herman. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people who have been on the show, right? At least on our live show. Yeah. I don't know if Hannah and Jack... I think Jack was on here once, uh, maybe. So check that out. We'll we'll link to it. If you're in Chicago, check us out. Yeah, Alyssa will um, be there. Yeah, yeah. Friends of the show will be there. And it'll be, you know, it'll be better than this. We actually, like, wrote stuff out and, <laughs> and stuff. But, uh, yeah, check that out. And you can check out our, our overtime segment, too. Subscribe to our Patreon. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Afghan peace process. Yeah, yeah, we're not getting the... Uh, oh, lack thereof. We're not getting the Amazon bucks, so, uh, so you know, kick us over some, some money on Patreon and, and get some bonus content, and we'll see you next time. Love you all. Yeah, I'm going to talk to voters at the Old Town Hall. I'm going to tell them we don't need no wall. I'm going to rant and rave about billionaires. Ain't going to take... To comb my hair, I got money in the stacks. Forget your super packs, Bernie Bros and back. You would think this is a frat. Now got a chance to see Mayor Pete's ID. We both born in '83, but in different centuries.